out for you with a forerunner, a five-passenger four-wheel drive Toyota that's been named number one in customer satisfaction two years running. Looking out for number one. Looking out for you has made the Toyota forerunner number one in customer satisfaction again. Oh, thanks for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of the Mile High Show. You are listening to number episode number 230. What are we at? 233? Yeah, 233. It should be like 270-something, but I've been a slacker for a year, and you know what? I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. This is a solo episode. I do not like doing solo episodes. I don't know if you like listening to them, but I wanted to put one out for no other reason than to tell you to turn into tune into episode 234, which will be launched next week. The reason why that one's so important it is because I have two guests on that show. We've already recorded it, but we're holding on to that episode because it is featuring Candace Devine, the fabulous Candace Devine, and the incredibly talented and fun to talk to Drew Hall. Now they have both been guests on this show in the past, and uh, they have they were gracious enough to return because they both have a new release coming out next week on June 18th, and their new venture is a a a band that they've put together. It's kind of like a super band because it's got various members to it. They're rotating some folks into it and highlighting various singers, songwriters, and musicians from not just Yavapai County, the Prescott area, but across the Southwest and really from across the country. Ponderosa Grove. And so tune in next week and you will not only hear a cut from their new release, from Ponderosa Grove, but also hear how they put this venture together, how what it evolved from and into. And then on June 18th, which is Friday night at the Courthouse Square in Prescott, they will be having a record release show. It will be, I believe it starts at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There's several bands playing. It'll run into the night. I think they take the uh, stage at 6 p.m. Uh, it's just going to be a full night and afternoon packed with live music and isn't it great that we are able to enjoy uh live music again so ponderosagrove.com ponderosa grove is the the band info at ponderosagrove.com is where you can find out information follow them on facebook they're updating with some video clips and all kinds of good stuff going on and information but uh, June 18th, so on June 11th, we will be dropping that episode leading up to the June 18th concert on the square. And our good friend uh, Teddy Leonard and his crew with Prescott Pro Sound will be handling the sound on that live show. Get out there, bring a lawn chair and a blanket, lay down out on the, the courthouse grass and enjoy some great music with Ponderosa Grove spearheaded by Drew Hall and Candace Devine. And then that's Jan, uh, June 18th, and then on June 11th we'll be dropping that episode. Uh, so that's going to be, that's the real show. That's 2.34. This, this is just me yapping 2.33. And I'm going to tell you, uh, <laughs> I really wanted to just put this out because uh, a couple of things. Things are starting to move back uh, to quote-unquote normal. And coupled with that, 
after a year and a half of pan, pandemic, pandemonium pandemic, um, some things in our house are getting back to, to normal. Uh, long, no, I was going to say long story short, but long story longer. Um, I have been doing, for the last couple of years, uh, dabbling, re-dabbling with storytelling, live performance, and stand-up comedy. <sighs> kind of start, back in the 80s, I was doing a lot of open mic stuff, and I got a chance to feature for some who are now uh, major comics. Uh, but in the San Francisco Bay Area, I did some stand-up comedy for pretty regular for about a year or so. Not much, not, not long, but I had fun doing it. And uh, then did not take the stage for many, many years. And then I did a show for a friend and uh, kind of hosted it for him in 2016. In 2017, started touching my toe back in it with some open mic stuff locally and some down in Phoenix, some in Flagstaff. In 2000, late 18 to the early 2019, I started doing it more and more aggressively. Uh, more and more regularly with some open mics here in Prescott and uh, and a lot down in Phoenix. And I've started having a lot of fun doing it. Started booking some shows for the spring of 2020, which all went away. Well, they are coming back. So in the past couple of months, we did a couple of live shows, one or two in Phoenix. I've done a few in, uh, in Prescott and in Prescott Valley and... Uh, and having a lot of fun doing it, and it looks like those are going to be picking up again. We are hoping they will anyway. So that is nice. It's fun to get back out on stage, tell some stories, tell some jokes, uh, make a fool of myself, I guess, is what I do. So that's kind of back to normal. So it's it's it seems like when I, with a lot of my ventures, whether it be my regular business ventures of writing and photography or this new foray into live performing, it seems like I can't get things aligned right. When I start uh, start doing it, you know, a few years ago, I was hesitant about it. When I started getting my confidence a little bit better, as I started feeling good about it, uh, all the live shows went away. So I couldn't get the two worlds to line up. And it looks like maybe maybe now that might happen. So anyway, it looks, looks promising for 2020, uh, to, excuse me, 2021 into 2022. I've got a few things on the horizon that uh, hopefully will pan out. That is on the professional and personal note, I guess. Another thing that happened uh, that is happening is I have a vehicle, and that might not sound much very important to you listening, but for me it is. It's a specific vehicle. I have in my front yard right now a 1990, excuse me, a 1988, 1988 Toyota 4Runner. The reason that vehicle is important to me, it is, it, it is the very first new vehicle I ever purchased in my life. I bought it with less than a mile on it in 1988. The way I bought it was an interesting way. The reason why I bought it, a little bit of an interesting way. And I'll, bear with me. Hopefully you'll find this interesting. When I was in high school in the early 80s, 
I came into possession of a red 19, I want to say it was a 71, it might have been a 72, I don't remember, an early 70s Toyota station wagon that was bright red, a Corolla. It was owned by my brother who gave it to my sisters, my oldest, my oldest brother gave it to my two older sisters, and it was their vehicle. They had it for a few years, and uh, in, uh, I want to say, 82, 83, they got in an accident with it. The car was totaled out by the insurance company. My sisters were fine, but the car was totaled out, so my brother got his money back. He was going to take it over to the junkyard, and I says, hey, can I have it? Can I take He goes, yeah, if you want it. What had happened is it got T-boned on the driver's side. It was a two-door station wagon, and it got T-boned, which buckled bent the frame. So it lifted the frame up a little bit. So there was like a a peak right at the driver door and the driver door was demolished. So I went to the local record wrecking yard in Hayward, Doris Auto Record in Hayward, California. And I bought probably, I don't know, probably for 25, 30 bucks, a same make, same model door, driver door, but it was a different color. It was green, so I had a green door on a red car. And then to get it to fit, to shut, because it had been buckled, I got a big old sledgehammer. I don't know, what, what are they, like a 20-pound sledgehammer? And I just beat down that buckle on the door jam, on the floorboard, I guess, of the door jam, and beat it down enough to where the door would shut. So I had this bright green door on a bright red car, and it looked like a flower in my head. So in honor of Citizen Kane, my friends and I dubbed that vehicle Rosebud. It was bright red with green, you know, green leaf kind of thing. And that vehicle went everywhere. Little two-door station wagon, we would jam-pack it with my friends and I. And at the time, I was not behaving myself very well, so that vehicle was known to be at... Every party in the Bay Area, for the most part. (laughs) If you saw that vehicle, you knew a party was going on. I'm not proud of it, but we did have a lot of fun. This is a good story. Uh, When I was a senior in high school, uh, I worked a lot at nights. I was a photographer. I worked for uh, freelancing for a couple of newspapers, and I worked for bunch of different photo studios and so I was constantly on the road I was gone I worked nights a lot shooting sporting events and and uh, other events and and things of that nature weddings on the weekends that kind of thing so I was very rarely home on Friday nights legitimately I worked Friday nights one night on a Friday I happened to be off so I was sitting at home just my mom and I watching TV at about nine o'clock on a Friday and a knock on the door. And I go to open the door, and it's a friend of mine. Uh, I'll, I'll rat him out here, Jerry Perez. Hey, Jerry. And he's standing at my front door with a 12-pack of beer. And he goes, hey, is there a party? Is this kind of quiet for a party? And I laughed. I said, no, there's not a I'm, I'm watching TV with my mom. He goes, oh, I saw your car out front. I just figured there was a party going on. <laughs> so I told him, no, this is not a party. This is me and my mom sitting down. You have to leave, but feel free to leave the 12-pack in the bushes, which he did. Um, so that vehicle, if people saw, it was very noticeable. Bright red, green door. It was very noticeable that uh, that uh, that was my car. 
It was an infamous vehicle. Flash forward a number of years, 19, a few years. This was like, you know, 83, 82, 83, 84. In 1988, I no longer had the Toyota. I had sold it to my roommate, uh, Robert Herman, who then he had it for a while, and then he sold it. And this is a story for another podcast, or better yet, it's a story for you to grab me one day and go, hey, tell me the story about how you bought your Toyota 4Runner, and I will tell you. Let's just cut to the chase. I came into some money in 1988, and I wanted to buy another Toyota because I enjoyed Toyotas. And in honor of Rosebud, I wanted a Toyota 4Runner, which was a a four-wheel drive station wagon, to, for lack of a better term. And uh, I wanted a red one. And at that time, a friend of mine by the name of Don had just bought a brand new black SR5 four-wheel drive Toyota. If you remember Back to the Future, Marty McFly's pickup truck, that's what he bought. He bought his in like 86, 87. Beautiful truck, and he got a great deal on it. And again, let me re reiterate, I was not behaving myself. I was doing a lot of things I am no longer proud of and, of course, do not condone. Um, but uh, so we were out one night, and Don uh, regaled us with the story of how he got such a great deal on his truck because he knew the salesman at Stevens Creek Toyota in San Jose. And he took him out and uh, took him out for a night on the town and by the end of that night on the town, he got the best deal he'd ever heard of on a Toyota pickup truck. So when it came time for me to go buy a vehicle, I said, hey, Don, what's that guy's name? And he gave me his business card, and I went over to see him and proceeded to take him out on the town. And I test drove this vehicle. It had about a mile on it. By the time the test drive was over, it was several hours later. There was about 70 miles on the vehicle, and I... I assisted this salesman uh i assisted him back into the uh sales room because he was not walking very well and uh and we drew up the contract and we started the process and he goes so what can you put down on this and he was giving me a great deal if i remember correctly they were going for about 13 and a quarter or so 13,000 or so and I says, I, you know, I don't trust myself. You know what? I'm gonna uh, let me look that up. I told him I'm gonna look up the list price. I told him I did not trust myself to make a payment every month because I was not very responsible. Manufactured suggested retail price <laughs> MSRP on a forty-eight. There we go. Yeah, thirteen. <laughs> Uh, 13.9 is what they were listing back then. Uh, <laughs> 13.9. So they had 13, yeah, figure you wheel and deal 13.5. And I did not trust myself to write a, uh, a check every month to make my car payment. So like I said, I had come into some cash, uh, that did not need to go into a bank and I, again, story for another day, grab me one day with a, I'll buy you a cup of coffee and tell you, tell you how that happened. So I told him, I said, so I'm paying cash. What cash price can you give me? 
Yeah, yeah, you got we got thirteen thousand in cash in your car. I said, No, I don't. Thirteen nine two eight is what the MSRP was from back then. And I says, What can you do? We came up with twelve thousand dollars. So I walked out to my car in the parking lot that had been sitting there for seven or eight hours and grabbed my little briefcase out of the back seat of the car. I don't even remember what I was driving back then. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And I walk in and I show him the briefcase of $12,000 in it. And I says, that's what I want to pay. So he did it up. He did up the contract and handed me the keys. And I drove my brand new red 1988 Toyota 4Runner home. Went to sleep and... Oh, it was probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm asleep still the next day. And my beeper, if you remember beepers, was going off like crazy. I look at it at like 10 messages on my beeper. And a bunch of messages on my answering machine. And uh, I listened to the messages. And it turns out that when I left, I forgot to leave him the briefcase with cash so I had a contract and all the paperwork saying I am the proud owner of the bill of sale of a brand new forerunner for $12,000 cash and I had the $12,000 cash so I called him up and he was very relieved to hear that uh, not only was I going to drive back that day because I had to pick up my car so me and my then roommate uh, Gary Putman uh, we drove back to San Jose to not only pick up my vehicle, but of course to give him his $12,000 cash. So uh, he had yet to tell his boss that he failed to collect the cash. So in the course of my years driving that vehicle, we, uh, we racked up the mileage. 500 some odd thousand plus half a million miles on that vehicle. Had to swap out some parts, a couple of clutches. That vehicle, too, was known as a, uh, it's a, it's an infamous vehicle. There are still, I, I think they've written songs about that Toyota. Uh, it was, uh, at one point, I, I and the vehicle had warrants out in nine Bay Area counties. Uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, we, we did a lot, me and that Toyota. My friends, uh, Ronnie Pitts, Bobby Garcia, Richie Cordova. Richie Cordova almost flew out the back. Now, if you remember, the late 80s, this was the last year they made a forerunner where the back end, the, the, the camper part came off to where the back seats were exposed, convertible style. And uh, Richie Cordova was asleep in the back one night at, you know, I don't know, 2, 3 in the morning, uh, laying in the back. And uh, Bobby Garcia and I decided, hey, that's a good opportunity for us to go jumping over uh, railroad tracks on Western Avenue in Hayward, California. And uh, I thought something was wrong with the car because every time we jumped over a railroad track, we would hear a thump. Then we'd go do another one. Thump. Couldn't figure out what it was. Turns out it was Richie flying up in the air and then landing in the back of the truck again. Uh, We almost lost poor Richie uh, that night. Um, We, uh, 
it was a base model. So it had like spots in the dashboard for other things, you know, clocks and things like that and uh, other switches for fog lights and things like that. And uh, it turns out that those little spots have little plastic pieces that pop out. The um, the rear view mirror was mounted to the ceiling and it had a little spot that popped out that uh, turned out was a nice hiding hole for various contraband. Pieces of the dashboard would pop out and had little spaces where you could hide things and we, we hid things. in the, So I'm kind of afraid uh, to look in it now. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, there was a spot in the back in the, uh, in the, uh, floorboard that ha- I don't know why it was there, but there was a little compartment that, uh, that we utilized for various things. Um, an infamous trip. Let's see. When was this? I can figure this out. It was San Francisco. 49ers versus Bengals. Sports fans out there, if you're... It was a uh, Super Bowl. January 22nd of 1989. While they were playing the Super Bowl... Uh, Bobby Garcia and myself and, oh, a dozen or so other people were renting a cabin in Reno, and uh, we went to Reno to watch the Super Bowl. Guess what? I don't remember that Super I remember one of the guys uh, broke, one of the guys on the Bengals broke his leg really bad, and it was nasty, but uh, that's all I remember about that Super Bowl because we, uh, I don't know, we were up for four days. Um, driving out there from uh, Hayward, California to Reno, we hit some of the worst fog I had ever seen, and uh, we should not have lived through that night. Yet we got there, and we got home uh, four or five days later, and uh, it was a uh, it was an eventful weekend. Um, I I I like to tell people, oh, this vehicle's got a lot of memories. It has memories. I have very few memories of that vehicle because, again, this was a time in my life where memories were not. Uh, were not the priority. Um, I uh, did several trips down to Southern California with that vehicle. Um, one of which went start meant to go to San Luis Obispo to visit a friend at Cal Poly. We ended up in LA at UCLA, and then at San Diego State, and then at some point in that week weekend plus, I I ended up in in Mexico me and my Toyota in Mexico. And, uh, I, I know what the inside of a Tijuana jail looks like. I'll just leave it at that. So anyway, as I grew older and, uh, and matured, if you can, I, I still haven't matured, but as I grew older and calmed down a bit, I got married in 1995, still had that Toyota. In 2004, my wife and I moved to uh, from the San Francisco Bay Area to Arizona, and the clutch went out. I want to say second or third clutch. It went out. 
and it was a third, fourth vehicle for us, so we parked it. And in the course of, from 2005, I think the clutch went out in 05, to last week, uh, I would work out deals with people. We would trade jobs. We would trade favors. And I would say, tell you what, I'll do this for you. You know how to work on cars. Put that clutch in for me. Well, one person agreed to, and he held on to it for about three or four years. And in the course of that time, in the, in the hot Arizona heat, the gas turned, the fuel injectors got clogged, the fuel pump went bad, and the whole fuel system was soured. And uh, so now it became a clutch and a fuel system, and uh, that uh, hidey hole-filled dashboard is all cracked. And then it traded hands again, and parts were bought and put in the back, and then it traded hands again. And I've owned this vehicle, have not driven it since '05. And I would jokingly say, after my son was born in 2009, I would jokingly tell these people who were working on it for me, hey, take your time. As long as my baby son can have this vehicle ready by the time he drives, ha, 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 we would joke and laugh because that was so far in the future. Well, my son is now almost 12, so he will be eligible for his permit in about three and a half years. And last week, I got a call from the most recent caretaker of this vehicle, and he said, hey, I'm moving. I'm leaving Arizona, and uh, but I'll have your Toyota fixed for you before I go. Well, he's leaving next week. Now, in the course of our conversations, I had only told him about the fuel system, forgot to mention to him that the clutch was out. So he went through, and the fuel system's fine. I went over there last Monday and fired up that car, put a new battery in it, and fired it up, and it runs like a champ, except the clutch is still out. So we brought it back to my house, and this 1988 Toyota 4Runner, the body is still in excellent condition, now runs and is sitting in my front yard. And now, as of yesterday, the brand-new clutch is sitting in the front seat, one of the front seats, I'll tell you that in a minute, ready to be installed, and it will be installed next week, and then we're going to drain all the fluids, the oils, and all that stuff, and the gear oil, and we're going to hopefully not find too many leaks, because it's been sitting for, I can't even add that, 05 to 2021, what is that? I don't know, 16 years? So there's going to be some other leaks and issues. It needs the brand new tires that we put on it in 04 uh, that only have maybe a few thousand miles on it are all dried and cracked. They're still holding there, but we'll, of course, replace those. Um, and, uh, And hopefully I will be driving this vehicle in a week or two. And I am very excited. I am more excited about that than I should be. I am afraid to find things that might be hidden in that vehicle all, all these many years, but uh, we want to get it ready for my son, Anthony. Now, it only has one seat. Let me tell you this quick story, and then we'll wrap it up. In, I want to say, 1990-91, again, this was like a third, fourth car for me. I loaned it to a, but it was when I was still single, and I loaned it to a buddy of mine who needed a, he had a pickup truck that broke, and although this isn't a pickup truck, the back end does come off, so it's got a cargo area that's open air. He worked, he was a tile setter, so he would pick up these 
big cases of, you know, 12 or 16 inch square tiles, marble and, and, and ceramic tiles and need to put them in the back. He needed a truck as opposed to a little sedan or something. So I said, Hey, it's just sitting there. You can use it. Well, what he would do is he would, you know, he would like to drive like, like many of us do with the driver's seat kind of tilted back a little bit. What do they call that? The gangster lean or something like that. So the back end is exposed, which meant that the driver's seat headrest and the back of the front seat was exposed. And he, I didn't know this, but what he had done is he had rested a big case of ceramic or marble tiles on the headrest and cracked my driver's seat. Cracked it, just cracked it right off. Didn't tell me this. He had it for about eight, eight nine months. When he brought it back to me, he had the back seats folded up. I just thought so he would have more space. But what he was actually doing was he was using the folded forward back seat to hold the driver's seat in place because he had cracked the driver's seat frame. And then he had banded it together with, uh, he. <laughs> it was kind of ingenious. He lifted up the seat cover and the metal frame of the seat had cracked. So he held them together with a bunch of hose clip hose clamps then he pulled the seat cover back down so uh, glancing at it you couldn't tell so i just it sat in my yard i didn't use this truck as much as i had before then i decided to take it to work one day and i had been working for a company this was like now uh, this is a few years later and i'm driving it to work one day and uh I'm, I'm wearing a shirt and tie. I'm going to do a presentation for work. And it's hot. It's a hot day. And I'm a, I'm a larger fellow, so I'm, I'm sweaty. I'm driving, and I'm sweaty, and I feel dampness on my back on my way to this meeting. And I'm wearing a white shirt and a tie. I'm in San Jose driving to a meeting. And I think I'm sweating, and I'm worried, oh, man, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, this... I, 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 and I reach back to dry, you know, kind of feel, and I look at my hand, and it's covered in blood. It's red. And I hadn't realized it, but one of those hose clamps that my buddy had used to secure the seat had come loose, and the frame of the seat had cut me. And I'm bleeding profusely from my back, and I didn't notice it. It was just a little nick, but you know how sometimes little nicks will bleed, and I'm, it's absorbed into this white shirt that I'm wearing and I'm running late to this meeting, I pull over off the side of the highway, Highway 17 in San Jose, and there's a Kmart on the side of the, you know, right off the off-ramp. So I rush into the Kmart. I got to buy myself a new shirt. So I run into the uh, the Kmart wearing a white shirt covered with blood. It looked like I just was the victim of a violent crime. And I go buy a shirt. I pay for it, go to the car, take off my ripped up, bloody shirt, wipe myself off. I happen to have band-aids in the, in the glove box and I band-aid up myself the best I can, throw on this new shirt, put on my tie, go to my meeting. Get done with my meeting. I'm heading home and I, re, I rip my new shirt. So now I'm on the side of the road. I'm angry because this guy did not tell me. At the time, I had one of those big old huge, like a suitcase cell phone. So I call him up at a dollar a minute. And I chew him out. I'm mad. I he had, It has been like a year already, a year and a half that he had done this. And I go, what happened to my seat? He said, oh, I forgot all about it. I didn't know that. So I'm angry. 
And now the seat's broken. It's not even sitting upright. And it's metal, jagged metal sitting on. And I'm not proud of this move. Many things in my life I'm not proud of. This is one of them. So I pull out my little toolkit from the back of the truck. And I take out the driver's seat and just chuck it in a dumpster. It's in two pieces. It's, it's falling apart. And then I unbolt the passenger seat and put it in the driver's seat, which left the passenger's front seat wide open area. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, I'll go and get to the wrecker or I'll buy a new driver's seat, put the passenger seat back and replace the driver's seat. Then I look, and they're like 300 bucks a piece. I'm like, well, I'll wait, and I'll do that later. So in the meantime, now, I have a driver's seat that is the former passenger seat, and then just a big open space where the passenger seat normally would be, and then the two back seats in the back of this two-door forerunner. Well, I used to carry a lot of gear, briefcases, camera gear, whatever, you know, what have you, just a bunch of different stuff, and I found it very convenient that right next to me in the front seat, I've got this open space so I could put boxes and cases and I had a file box there and it worked out really nice. And then when I was not at work, I found it very convenient because then my wife could drive. I would sit in the passenger back seat and have a lot of leg room. So I never replaced it. So it's still like that. I have one driver's seat, an open space, and then the two seats in the back. I'm not sure that I will fix that. I like that. It's nice and roomy. Uh, I am looking forward to driving this Toyota 4Runner that I bought brand new in 1988. Very soon, I hope to be driving this. I want to. Te- I don't even know if I know how to drive a stick anymore. It's a five-speed. I haven't driven a stick in years. I'm looking forward to teaching my son to drive a stick because in three and a half years, he can use this vehicle to take his driver's test. The infamous 1988 Toyota 4Runner will be back on the road soon. Who knows? It might be back on the road in time for the June 18th Ponderosa Grove concert at the Courthouse Square in Prescott featuring Candace Devine and Drew Hall. It might be. It might be. Probably not, though. But very soon after that, I guarantee you one thing. It will be running before Anthony is old enough to drive. And he's almost 12 now. It will be running or I will be dead trying to get it to run. I'm very excited I got this Toyota back. Bobby Garcia, many, many memories of of us cruising around in that foreign. Ronnie Ronnie Pitts, Mark Silberman, Gary Putman, Janine Hun. (laughs) We should all be either dead or in prison considering the time we've spent in that Toyota 4Runner. But now, I am a mature, well-behaved, law-abiding citizen. And I guarantee you, I will be driving that Toyota very soon. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, June 18th, 
Courthouse Square, Ponderosa Grove featuring Drew Hall, Candace Devine, and oh so many more. On the road again, going places that I've never been, seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again.